What up, High and Wide fam? It's Delco Dave. I'm here with hockey family royalty tonight. Yeah. His father, Mr. Kindertruck, and the director, player personnel savant, Bob Strum, Strummer himself. Guys, how's it going tonight? Good. Real well. Yeah, it's fun. Great. It's fun to have the three of us here together, oh isn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm hosting a uh, reu- family reunion here. Yeah, you are a little bit. We are a little bit, for sure. And we're all here to commiserate over how lousy the team that brought us all together is currently. <laughs> it's just that's just that, that's unfortunately what's bringing us together at this point. We'd all be loving to celebrate a victory. But um, once again, the Flyers uh, didn't deliver, despite the fact that they I think they had 50 shots tonight. So uh, they 49. had an offensive outpouring, but it just didn't it didn't work. They couldn't get any enough pucks past uh, the Columbus Netminder, whose name I don't even know, because why would you ever learn that? But obviously, Stromer, you know his name. What is his name? Elvis. Elvis is <laughs> tonight. Yeah. And uh, his last name is Merzlikens. He's a Latvian kid who played in the Swiss League for two or three years and then uh, came over and signed with Columbus. He's a, he's a he's an acrobat. He's a good goaltender. He's played well for Columbus for sure. Clearly. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's got, he's got 22 wins, 18 losses. He's been their starter all year, started 46 games. I mean, his goals against average is 3.4, so you'd like to see us get, you know, over two goals with 50 shots. But, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. At this point, like, you really just evaluate uh, who you brought up. Uh, Yandel got reinserted into the lineup, uh, but Noah Cates had a very sweet goal tonight. Uh, and that's exciting. You know, our 2017 draft pick that we're excited about, maybe. I don't know. I don't know who to get excited about anymore. I haven't been excited about anybody except for my dad or his kinder Chuck. you know i'm being out here in the west coast and that and i watch as much as i can uh, um and i'm going to be point blank um the flyers have lost the culture in that locker room the culture is gone there's no to me no grit no no hard work no to do whatever it takes to win a game and I just think they've lost it in the last few years. And, and you know, it used to be when you put that sweater on, you automatically got 10% better and you didn't want to let down your teammates. And those are, those are kind of things that, like you see in Pittsburgh. You know, you got players coming up in Pittsburgh. When Sidney Crosby's there, Jesus, you know, all of a sudden you got these players that are scoring these goals and that, and you never heard of them. But it's because the culture is really strong there. And I, I, the one team I feel has never, ever lost their culture. And, and I'm including the original six teams is Boston. Boston still plays with the same culture. Montreal lost it. Toronto lost it. Detroit lost it. Chicago lost it. But Boston has always maintained that hard work, gritty effort culture. And if you don't have that, you're not going far. And it, that was actually something that uh, Stromer and I were talking about earlier. Uh, and it, it's embodied to me this year by the relationship between the two goalies, uh, Swayman and Olnack. Olnack, right? Am I saying it right? Yeah, I'm asking you, Dave. What's yeah. that? Yeah. Where they, every, before every game, they do this, like, they do this 
thing when they hug each other. And it's clear that, like, no matter who's starting that night, they're going to be playing for one another, even if one's on the bench and one is on the ice. And, yeah, I, I just can't imagine Jones and Hart doing that as, as much as I'm a Hart fan or any player doing that on the Flyers. And it, it I, I've really analyzed that, what you've been saying about that with the Bruins culture. And if you look back at their at their past history, they've never been out of it. They've never had this lapse uh, that every other original six or expansion team has had. And some of it is, is expected. Obviously, if you come into the league, you're going to stink for a while. But the Bruins, for the past 60 years, have always been in the thick of things. And, uh, man, I, I don't know if you attribute that to Harry Sinden. Strummer, you and I were talking earlier today. You attributed it to Don Sweeney and, and Cam Neely. But there's just – there's when – that's a, that's a team that doesn't regret ever bringing back alumni to run the front office because they always do a good job to maintain what I think is becoming an overused word, but doesn't mean that it's meaningless is culture. Yeah, they play and, hard. They play hard. And, and, and like I said earlier, uh, you got Cam Neely as the president and Don Sweeney as the GM. Uh, if you don't play hard, you don't play. So uh, you put that, you're right. Ole, you put that sweater on and uh, something happens to those guys and they, uh, uh, they're a handful to play against, uh, and and uh, that keeps them in the mix every year. You know they're they're not real deep, but man, those guys you probably can't you know name the four or five players there that obviously are probably Hall of Famers. But there's other players come up big, you know, and and I I just I don't get it. You know Pittsburgh has been strong for a long long time. And it's, it's leadership, it's culture, it's, you got to have that leadership. And if you don't have that, if you don't have that leadership from the top, you're not, you're just not going to get results. And everybody is just, uh, I, and, and with the Flyers, I just, I, I, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Um, I don't know what's going on there, you know, but they're soft. Bottom line, they're soft. And I don't care who hears this. They play soft. Uh, are they willing to stick their head in front of a puck? Or are they willing to do this? Or, no. You, you do it. You, you got to love the game, number one. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure they love the game as much as they should. Uh, too many players today worry about their briefcase first and the game second. And I've always said, son, if you put the game first, the briefcase is going to come. And, you know, unfortunately, when they get the briefcase early, uh, they sink. And I think that's a, that, that's a perfect description of Ivan Provorov. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's someone who I feel, I feel like is just overvaluing cash in, in, instead of ever embracing the logo that's on his chest. Um, well, I think, unfortunately for Provorov, he's come into the Flyers at a time where this organization – just doesn't have that win right now mentality over the last six, seven years. They've always been two to three years away. Like, Oh, we're building for next season. We're building for next season. That's what so was Brindamore. Brindamore was on that team at the same sort of time, the same sort of time. And no one would ever question Brindamore's um, contribution to this team or his dedication to this team. You're not wrong there, but I just think this has probably been one of the darkest periods of flyers history. The darkest darkest and it's because i feel like it's because this this kind of mindset set in that we're just always building for the future oh we're always two three years away oh we're always for next season or the following season we need to acquire more assets more capital it, 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 as much shit as paul holmgren got 
the guy always played to win, which is what I loved when he was the GM. Like every single season, he wanted to win the Stanley Cup that year. He made the moves that he thought helped the team win that particular season. He wanted to win a cup that year. I feel like these last six, seven, eight years, it's always been like, oh, you know, we're just waiting for like two or three years down the road. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like once you get that kind of attitude and you start being like, oh, well, you know, this season doesn't matter. It, that seeps into the walls. It seeps into the building. It seeps into the jerseys. It gets into everybody's head. I, I mean, that, that's how I see it. Two things well, this about is, that. This is the first time that they're going to miss the playoffs back to back in in quite a long time. They've been in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. You know, I checked it today, and uh, this is the first time in quite some time that they've missed the playoffs back to back. You can miss once for certain circumstances and find a rebound. The more you miss, the more you miss. How many playoff series have they won in the last 10 years? Two. Two, yeah. Maybe yeah. one? <laughs> one, two. One, one, like, one, either answer is not acceptable. Yeah. You but know, I'm like, just saying, you know, that comes to leadership. Leadership. Yeah. No question. How the hell can you only win one playoff series maybe in the last 10 years? It, it, it baffles me. And are that's you talking off leadership or are you talking on ice leadership? Everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, on ice leadership or, or on ice? Uh, I think it starts, you know, I, I when when Mr. Snyder passed, I think that it, I think it was going a little downhill before that because he was ill. Um, but I, I just think the leadership, obviously, a lot of it starts from the top. But you got to be tough on the players. If you're worried about a player's ego, you shouldn't be in that position to make decisions about hockey players. If you're worried about what they're going to think or you're going to embarrass them, well, maybe they need to be embarrassed. Yeah. You know, I look back last year now, I don't know how truthful this stat is, but their power play was the same unit, same unit all the time. Now, I was told this. I didn't calculate it. But you got Giroux and Voracek on the power play. You know how many power play goals they scored the previous year combined? One. Check it. Well, they're last in the NHL this year in power play. Oh, they're they're dead last this year. So why would you stay with the same crew game in and game out? Are they afraid of them? What are they? Come on. You know what? If I was coach there or GM there, I'm going to do it my way because I know I'm going to get fired anyways. But why wouldn't you – I would bench. I would make healthy scratches like you couldn't believe and let the young players play because you look at other teams that are going to be really good because they're letting their young players play. You know, I, I really believe that the devil's down the road. I think Arizona's going to be decent down the road. You let these young players play. I can't even name two players on the Minnesota team. Look how hard they play. Well, they get, you know what, you're, it's interesting you'd say that, oh, because uh, Zach and I were talking earlier today, and Billy Guerin, who played on championship teams, went into many as a GM and bought out Suter and Parise. The culture was not good, and I know that. I know a couple of young players that played there. They're not there anymore. But they said that Suter and Parise treated the young guys like, and, and, and so the, he he went in there 
and he he redid that team and look where they are now they're they're hard to play against i mean i think out west they're probably one of four or five teams that have a chance to win the conference and get to the stanley cup final i think I know one thing i wouldn't want to play against them yeah yeah they play hard and they got some skill they've done a good job there really good job ottawa's a team that's hard to play against and you're right they're playing their kids i mean my favorite saying when I was in Columbus way back was play the kids. We had a lot of guys that we picked up and this and that veteran guys, and we had some good ones, but play the kids. They're your future for sure. Yeah. And we're finally getting to that, to that point of the flyer season. And uh, Dave, I know, you know, you and I are both on Twitter, the whole Keith Yandel thing, it, which was this, this was the, the when I, the point where I was like, you know, I've never been annoyed with, with Flyers saying more. And Strummer, you and I talked about this earlier. All for the previous 74 games, people were talking about how lousy Keith Yandel is. And then it, they decide to scratch him for one particular game. And the same people who are talking about how lousy he is all of a sudden are upset that they're cutting his record short of a 1,000 games. The most meaningless goddamn record in all of sports Ironman record where he didn't hit a nice round number of thousand games uh Dave like I, I I don't I don't even know what side you came down on it but it, it's like why would why would any Flyers fan care about whether or not Keith Handel is in the on the roster or, or, or on the starting lineup and the uh, guy is minus 41 Zach he is minus yeah he's terrible he's, he's a terrible player he's, he's a nice man the record he's lucky hey. Hey, what else have they had to cheer for? Yeah, I get it. Did you cheer for that? That's the no, thing. but they're the Flyers organization, what else have they got to promote right now? I, I, yeah. I, I love it to be honest with you. I actually, uh, as far as Twitter goes, I was I was retweeting uh, former players that came down on both sides of the argument. Ronick was pissed off about us. I retweeted his stuff. Then Mike Rupp came out and said, "Oh no, he should have been benched earlier anyway." I yeah, retweeted that. I, I loved it. I love. I love absolute chaos. I was just retweeting both sides <laughs> of the argument. And I was hoping people were getting wound up about it. It was such a ridiculous thing. Yeah, it, I, I saw what you were doing, Dave. Yeah, uh, Ronick. Ronick called it called it a cowardly moment for the Flyers. Yep. Which, and then Mike Rupp, I think, had the best best point about it. Where he said it was just this manufactured record anyway, because Phil Kessel's clearly going to beat him because the Arizona Coyotes need something to draw a five thousand well, people. Wait, into that's what your dad world. just said, though. What else are you going to cheer for? Your dad just said, "What else are you going to cheer for?" But are you going to cheer? Are you going to cheer and the for Coyotes, You're saying the Coyotes are going to do exactly what the Flyers should have been doing. But no, but the, the, are you really going to be at Keith Yandel's one thousandth game and feel any sort of emotion? Oh, I couldn't get. I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less either. <laughs> it, 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 honestly, offer a beer special that night. You're going to get more people. Than Keith Yandel's stupid thousand. Well, wait, well, here's the thing: if Yandel had been like a long, like if he had been here for five, six, seven years or whatever, it would have been a bigger deal. Like if he had played sure. like, Drew's like you know, Drew's thousandth was a big deal. Exactly. So if he had been here for half of that record or something like that, it would have been a bigger deal. But he, honestly, he probably should have been scratched when he was back in Arizona anyway. And then yes. Florida, and then Florida wanted to scratch him, and there was a mutiny. The 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 all eleven thousand fans they had had a mutiny and threw a fit about it. So like, all right, we'll we'll put him in the damn game then. Well, you know the thing is in Philadelphia, this isn't Phoenix. It's not Florida. In Philadelphia, duh, no, they don't accept losses, and I, I'm I'm sure the attendance has been way down. 
in, in Philadelphia, you play hard and be nice to everybody and just play your ass off. They're going to like you. But I, the core of Philadelphia fans in the Delaware Valley, and I've lived there 48 years. Nah, the bulk of them. No, nah, we don't care about that streak. No, we want wins. And whatever it takes to win, that's what you got to do. And that's what the uh, management has to start looking at. You know, and everybody yeah. says, well, they got great prospects. Well, who does evaluation on that? Is that the league or is it the Flyers themselves? Name me their big prospects. No, I don't know. Strummer, you're great, involved in that. Name me their prospects. We've had great prospects for 15 years now. I just <laughs> I never seen so. any results. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, their best prospect is in goal, and they can't win with him. And uh, he's not a prospect anymore. He's a starting goalie. But but uh, uh, certainly uh, they're they're well down the list in terms of uh, uh, prospect pool. And um, you know Morgan Frost has been a real disappointment. Uh, first round pick doesn't play inside the dots much like oh used to. If you don't play inside the dots, you don't get to the paint. It's hard to score in the National Hockey League. So. I mean, he's a talented kid, but he hasn't figured it out yet. And, you know, the Cates kid scored tonight. Uh, good for him. Uh, the one defenseman I like, but he's had a, a back issue off and on is Zamula, the big uh, Russian kid in uh, in um, Lehigh Valley. But but their, their prospect pool is slim. You can jump in with both feet, even if you can't swim, and you're not going to drown in their prospect pool. No, I agree. But Sharma, you and I were talking about earlier. You feel like that there's enough that they could add, a, they could add a player or two, and be competitive again. Uh, well, they, you have to start somewhere. So as Or said a few seconds ago, uh, uh, you know, play the kids. I think they've got a core there. I think with the right leadership, uh, the right direction, I think they have a core of nine, ten, eleven, maybe twelve players that you can move forward with. Um, you don't win with mercenaries. You don't win with a lot of free agents. Um, you win with the draft. I, I think I said a couple shows ago that the last 20 Stanley Cup winners have had at least 10 of their own draft picks on the roster. Now, that's, that's, that's a pretty fair sample size. And, um, you know, so at some point in time, you have to draft well and you have to play your kids. And, and, uh, and surround them with 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 a solid culture, which they have have to rediscover there because they don't have it now. Their leader's gone. Maybe that was an issue. Maybe it was. The, maybe the C was an issue. So he's out of there, and it's up to the the players that remain to reboot the culture uh, and and move forward. I don't my, personally, with the right direction and the right. I don't want to say any management or coaching, but I don't think there's, Why not? Go ahead. I don't no, think they're as far reason. away as people think they are. I really don't. You yeah, can yeah. reboot a team. I've done, you know, last the first man, we took over the Regina Pats. They finished last. We won the championship the next year. Now that's junior hockey. I get it. But all we did there was reboot the culture, the Pats history, the, the greatness of the franchise. And I, I think Philly's uh, on, on that ledge. And I, I know this is the National Hockey League. Don't get me wrong, but but I just think there's ways and ways and means. I mean, Tom Brady took over a franchise with the, with the worst record in professional sports 
not just football, and won the Super Bowl the next year by changing the culture. Period. End of story. I know they had talent, but those guys needed they needed direction. They needed a winning culture. They got it and went and won the Super Bowl. So it can be done, but it has to be done right. Well, I, I, it's crazy to think that we're going to win the Stanley Cup next year, but it would be nice to get into the second round of the playoffs. No, it would be nice that. to get in the playoffs. Yeah, yes. yeah nice to get in the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. If you get I, in the dance, you can take home the homecoming coming queen, but guys, if you're not <laughs> in the dance, you have no chance. I'm not going I just like that you gave us another uh, buzzword, another re-buzzword. We had, uh, you know, rebuild gets thrown out a lot, retool gets thrown around, reload. Now we got reboot. That's another one. I'm going to start throwing that out there. I'm not going to – I'm going to just get rid of the other ones. I want to <laughs> reboot this team. That's what I want to do. I want to reboot the team. They've been, rebooting for, five, they've been rebooting for five years. <laughs> if, you know. you, if you lose re, use rebuild, this is my feeling. If you use the word rebuild – you give the fans a chance to stay home, and you give the players an excuse to lose. And so that's what we've been doing. Well, like what Mr. Kindertruck just said, we've been rebooting, rebuilding for five years. Is what we've been doing, <laughs> going well, they nowhere. Don't, they don't know what they're doing. I'm just, I'm, I'm cheating here a little bit. Hockey News just put out the future watch, and Philadelphia has the 27th out of 32 best player pool in the league. 27. That's, so, uh, that's disappointing. Future's <laughs> looking bright. Huh? Well, you know, I, we, I, I just feel, you know, I, I wear a flyer shirt occasionally, but I wear mostly flyer alumni. Sorry. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> being, being, uh, being honest, they say, well, what's the matter with your team? I said, whoa, that's not my team. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the play no grit would would not have been accepted in our day. You would have been gone, gone. Yeah. And if you didn't play the way everybody else was playing, or one leader, or whatever, you weren't going to be. You were benched. I don't see that here. There's guys on this team here that I wouldn't play the rest of the year. Sit down and explain to them why they're sitting down. Maybe they don't know. The older players there, uh, you, you know, come on. You got guys 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and they play like pansies. Do you have Give specific examples? Pardon me? Yeah, specific examples. <laughs> you want me to name a name? Oh, name the names, please. James Van Riemsdyke. Oh, for sure. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Are you he's, kidding me? He's brutal. Now, you know, if he hears any of this and I said that, well, maybe he should. He needs a kick in the ass. You're 6'4". Just because you stand in front of the net and now you can hardly be touched in front of the net. Come in my day when you were in front of the net. <laughs> That's a whole different animal. Well, I, Dad, I, you know, I've been, I've been trashing Claude Giroux for like the – most of the podcasts that I've been on, it would be nice if you could just back me up on that shit. Because like, uh, <laughs> I don't have nearly the credibility. If you want my, <laughs> you want my opinion on Claude Giroux, I'll give it to you. Yeah. It, listen, he's a good player. Great player. He's not your leader, and hasn't been yeah. for years and years. Yeah. I I I believe that 
between him and Voracek and all them, they created a swamp there that the younger players or whatever just kind of followed their lead. And, you know, I the interviews after, oh, we played hard. We had some bad breaks. Come on. You're, you're talking to the people in Philadelphia. They know the deep down hockey fans in Philly or Delaware Valley know hard play, hard working play. Points don't mean anything. You know, I look at a guy that I played against, Marcel Dion. How many goals did he score? How many points did he get? But what did he what did he really accomplish? You know, as a player, gritty, tough. No. You know, he he, you know, I you know, obviously playing with Clarkie and I, I think we were all similar style players that I want to see the player. If I'm looking at a player in juniors or college, I want to see a player that if you're winning six, nothing or losing six, nothing, I want to see how that kid plays continuously. Is he taking a night off? Is he going to keep playing? And I don't know if, I don't know if management looks at that enough or not. Strummer, you're more involved. I haven't been involved in that, but if you're not looking at the background of these kids right now, I'd rather have a kid that's going to be a Ross Lonsbury type player than a kid that's going to score me 60 goals and not show up in the playoffs. Yeah, no, you're, I, 100%. I mean, you and I talk the same language. We're from the same era, but talent sets the floor, of course. Character sets the ceiling. And, and uh, you know, the two, the two things, I mean, skating is, is crucial nowadays. I mean, if you can't skate, it's hard to play in the league. The other, the other asset is compete. How, how hard does a kid compete? Uh, in what situations does he compete? Uh, it's all, it's, you know what? The men stay and the boys go home. I mean, this Anaheim thing with, with uh, Jay Beagle, who's not a tough guy in the least, and, and Troy Terry, like, you know what? You're playing in the NHL. You're not playing for the U.S. development team. You're not in kindergarten. Uh, you got in a scrum. You, you got hooked up with the wrong guy. And you got your eye messed up. You're in the NHL. And then Trevor Zegras, there's not enough mustard in the world to cover this guy. Uh, you know, he's whining about it afterwards. And and Dominic Roussel, did you see his comments today? He said, hey, look, he's got 17 goals in the NHL. There's 150 guys in the league right now that have 17 goals. Like, you're in the NHL, kid. Accept it, play like it, and shut up. You know, the player that I always really, really liked, and it's been current, and they didn't like him here for whatever reason initially. And this kid, he hung on to the puck. He would take a hit, make a play. He's won the Con Smythe. He's won a few, quite a few Stanley Cups. Justin Williams. Oh, yeah. I knew that. I now, like there that. is a kind of player you want for the playoffs. Mr. Yeah. Game 7, baby. That's the guy you want. He hung on to the puck. And, you know, there there was a guy in uh, uh, Philly, and then he got traded to Boston. Oh, man. And he was he was, wasn't a big guy, but he, he was known to hit everybody. God, I, his, sorry, his name just slipped me just recently. And I said, you know what? It's so easy to hit people. Are you willing to take a hit to make a play? Right. That's what's winning you games. Hitting people's easy. 
Well, the irony of it all, though, is that Philly had Rod Brindamore. They traded yeah. to Carolina to get his Stanley Cup. Yeah. Hey, you know, my dad was always willing to take a hit, which is why he can't remember when my birthday is. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday! It must be today. Yeah. <laughs> but he, Wait, is it uh, birthday, Zach? <laughs> you know, listen. I, I'm being out here, and a lot of I'm out in California. A lot of Canadians here, and they keep asking me, "What's going on there? What's going on?" And I, I just said they've lost their culture, their hard work ethic to win mm -hmm. at all costs for the last six, seven years. And yeah, and there's no more excuses. Um, and I really, for the rest of the year, I, I would just bench players. Yeah. Healthy scratch. And if they're embarrassed by it, well, too bad. You earned it. I don't, I, I don't even think that's even controversial here anymore, Dad. Like, JVR is just wildly unpopular here. Uh, especially if he was making $800,000 a year or like a Yandel-type contract, you, you would suffer through his poor performance. But the fact that he's getting $7 mil a year, it's... I, I don't think anybody would even we, care. And I, I, I don't even that's know what who makes it worse. That, that makes it worse because we did suffer through a Yandel contract that everybody jumped all over Yandel. The fact that JVR is making seven million, it, it's yeah. just twisting the knife. Like it's even like it's so bad. So bad. So bad. And you know, and I, and, and you know what? I'm not there. I'm not there in the winter and the whatever, but um, that, that much. But I do listen and follow. Do you think? these players in Philadelphia are embarrassed? I think that there are some that are. I think Cam Atkinson is embarrassed. I think yep. Carter Hart is beyond embarrassed. I think he's incredibly frustrated. Nope. Beyond that, Joel, you have young guys like Joel Farabee who really have not processed what it's like to be a full-time NHL, NHL player yet. You have other guys like, you, you know, obviously the prize possession that we got out in this offseason was Ryan Ellis, and he never really got to experience what it was to be a flyer. Kevin Hayes, I feel like, has some pride. I don't think he's worth what we're paying him. But, I, yeah, I would agree. Ivan Provorov's not embarrassed. No. Um, I don't think Rissalainen's embarrassed. If you're not embarrassed, bench him. Well, Rissalainen's not embarrassed because he came from Buffalo. <laughs> so it's like he's just used to this shit. Hey, don't yeah. talk bad about the future captain of the Flyers. <laughs> uh, you know what? The captain should have been changed five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Five years minimum. Five years ago, I don't think that's controversial at all. Actually, I think I, I think since Drew left, I think is. more people have come around to that. No, I think if you, if you went back two weeks ago, it would have been controversial. I think now people are like, oh, you know what? We probably should have done this sooner. Mm. But there's a lot of guys that we're going to come have come back. Couturier, who knows what happens when he comes back? But he he was not playing well this year, and I didn't I. When you, when you use the word embarrassed, I don't think that he felt embarrassed about his performance this year. But who knows what sort of lingering injury he had. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because the NHL is so vague about injury reports. I don't know what he was really dealing with. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he's having back surgery. I guess he was kind of hurt. The NHL uh, is a joke when it comes to injury reports. It's such a joke. It's hopefully he comes back and it's just the natural leader of this team. Let me, let me ask Gores the question here because we were discussing this the other day. And... <clears throat> The guy that came from the Tortorella regime this year into Philadelphia, Cam Atkinson, has been their best player. Quality guy, character guy. How hard is it? You did it. How hard is it to go from one organization to another and be the captain? You went from Philly to Pittsburgh. 
They named you captain. What were the difficulties of a new guy, supposedly new guy, uh, taking on that role? Well, uh, the biggest thing I remember arriving in Pittsburgh and management told me the players elected me as captain, which I thought was a real honor. I don't know if that's factual or not, but the biggest thing in Pittsburgh was the uh, there was a bit of fear in there when they played. Uh, the players uh, didn't have a lot of grit. And I think I was a little bit luckier when I was named captain there because who came with me was a, a Ross Lonsberry, uh, a Tommy Bladen. Mm. Um, also from Boston was Greg Shepard. And then coming from, you know, Toronto, there was a George Ferguson and, uh, and uh, Rick Kehoe was there and Ron Stackhouse was there. So there was some semblance of older players there, but they didn't know how to win. They did not have any idea how to win, what it took to win, not only at home, but on the road, everywhere. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I have a story about Pete Mahovlich. He was there. Um, we were we were playing against St. Louis, and we were ahead like uh, four to two with about five minutes to go, and ended up losing five four. And uh, true story, I I was the last guy in the locker room, and I could hear Pete say, "Hey guys, don't worry about it. There's 900 million Chinese that don't care." Right? I heard that. I turned him around, and he's six foot five. Yeah, we're both on skates. I punched him in the chest as hard as I could, and he went down on the ground, and all these young guys are sitting around. I said, Pete, I ever hear that come out of your mouth again? The next one's in your teeth. And Pete and I became really good friends. From that point on, he said, I should know better. I came from Montreal. I should know better. And, boy, we turned it around right then and there. That's a great story, man. And you, you know what? It's, like, a, it's actually the same thing that happened too when I first came home with a C minus on a report. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you but honest to God, and we became great friends. Yes. You went and to he, C plus the next report card, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah that know, is actually surprising here from Mahovlich, who came from such a winning culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. what Ryan O'Reilly did in St. Louis, boys. That's what Ryan O'Reilly did, just what O did in Pittsburgh. That's what he did in St. Louis. And boom, Stanley Cup champions, Conn Smythe trophy winner. Boom, first Stanley Cup for St. Louis. Those, those guys like Oris Kinnerchuk and, and Ryan O'Reilly, and those, those people are so hard to find. Uh, and, and unless you draft them, they're so hard to get. Well, the, the Flyers have done it before in the past. When they brought in Chris Pronger and then Yamir Yager, those were two of their best seasons when they brought in veteran guys who have been there, done that, and have won before in this league at different locations. So there's nothing wrong with them doing it again. Uh, those are special guys, though, right? How often can you find them? But they had the guy. They had Rod Brindamore, the ultimate, yeah, the ultimate warrior. They had him. They traded him. Thank you very much. I got my Stanley Cup. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> and he's inevitably going to get one and several as a coach. 
yeah, they got a chance. Yep. He's just he's just got a winning attitude. It might not be this season, but can you imagine Rod Brindamore leaving the Carolina Hurricanes at any point at any year? No, like, he's they're, they're not going to fire him. He's the Popovich of of the, the Senate of the NHL. Like 100%. Popovich is there as the Spurs coach for as long as he wants to be. 100%. And Brindamore, I think, is going to be the Carolina head coach as long as he you wants know to be. you know the kind of guy Brindamore is. He wouldn't sign. He wouldn't resign as coach until he signed his entire staff. Assistant coaches, trainers, uh, equipment guys. He would not re-sign with that them until they signed everybody else. That's quite a story. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now that's that. I, that does not surprise me. Uh, Sorry, uh, somewhere went wrong here. Oh, no problem. Oh, it's, I was worried for you. I, I actually texted Zach on the go. Is your dad okay? <laughs> yeah, no. I texted him back. Yeah, so he has he has nightly strokes. So Zach, I want to tell you. I'll be honest with you. I had to go fill up my glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, Zach, Worst had a couple of C minuses. Yeah, I know he did. No, I didn't. Nah, no. Fred wouldn't allow it. Fred wouldn't yeah, allow. No it. kidding. Fred wouldn't allow it. But Fred's my grandpa, Dave. Just so you don't know. What I was putting yeah, that together. Getting very inside. No, I was putting that together. <laughs> Context clues. Yeah, but sorry, sorry to give you that story in that. No, no. In Pittsburgh, yeah, Mr. DeBartolo was our owner, and we started zero and five, and uh, and he came in, little guy, uh, he had the black trench coat, the fedora hat, and. And uh, it was, uh, and he spoke very quietly. He says, guys, I see the effort. And then he had his son run around about 12 or 13 years old, who was the one that eventually ran the San Francisco 49ers. And he yelled at his son, sit your ass down and shut up. And geez, I, we all thought he was talking to us, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but we turned it around and ended up beating uh, Buffalo, the French connection in the playoffs and lost to Boston and max games. And so it, it all comes down to teaching how to win. Yep. What it takes to win. Yep. Your talent isn't going to be enough. So do you think Ryan Ellis coming back healthy would be enough for this team to basically teach them how to win? Is that the kind of, would he be considered an acquisition enough that would, you know, elevate this team just via attitude and his presence? Well, he's a top four defenseman. You know, he won, he was a winner at Windsor and junior. They won a couple of Memorial cups back to back, which is very difficult to do. Um, the fact that he hasn't been around, certainly part of the leadership group, but, you know, the more I think about it, and this was Zach's idea in the, in er, at first was Cam Atkinson. He's got John Tartarella in him through and through, and I and he's and he's a good player. He's a fiery little guy, and they have to find the right person to lead that troop out of the wilderness. And who that is, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's anybody that they've drafted that's been part of the process that that can do it. I don't, Sanheim is a good young player, but I don't he, think he's that kind of person from what I, no, I don't think he's a leader, but I, from what I understand, I know people that know him, had him in junior. So, um, that, what about uh, Cam? Well, that's what we're saying. Cam yeah. Atkinson is probably, yeah. Cam Atkinson probably, probably leading, that. leading the charge here. I, you, I would you say know, if you can put up with Tortorella's shit, you can put up with anything. And, right. and, and, and Tortorella does, I know John and you know, 
he doesn't win any popularity contest, but he doesn't accept losing. Who's no, he doesn't, coach? except when he does. Who's going to be the coach? he loses. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, there's lots of suggestions that talk would be a guy to come back in there. I don't know. Tortorella's out there. Uh, Travis Green's a real good young uh, coach who had a bad experience out in Vancouver. Uh, their next coach, that, I mean, that's their that's a huge, huge decision for them. Who the, who, if it's Tortorella, coach. that's going to drive me nuts. I would love Tortorella. I'm the exact opposite. I would absolutely love Tortorella to come Why? in. Why? I mean, that, that that's it, that's like a it's like a summer love and grease like romance. Like you know, it's not going to last. Tortorella blows himself up at, Boy, at some point. We like, we, we, we had uh, Tortorella before. We've had Ken Hitchcock. They're the we, same person. Wait, no. but here's the thing. There are people that are – there are coaches that are builders and there are coaches that are maintainers. I think Tortorella is a builder. I think Tortorella is still a coach. Let me interrupt. Yeah, well, look I, at I know, what Columbus is doing. I know Hitchcock and I know Tortorella, and Hitch can't tie Tortorella's skates. I'll leave it at that. Ooh. Well, only because of his weight problem. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, – I, I, I refuse to say here what, what it is, but – they're, the care the, the the two people are so different that but it's, but they're both short term things. Like well, you know, is how did he do in Columbus for four years? They never made enough. I mean, not really anything particularly. They knocked off Tampa. I mean, you know, so it, what? at some point in time, it comes to the level of of talent that you have. But but this guy can you know the juice is worth the squeeze, and he gets all the juice he can. I'm with Strong, no, man. I, I'm, 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 I'm someone who's going to be here for six, seven years. And then Tortorella is not that person. And I, I, I don't even know if he is. Once you go into the analyst booth, and I'm, I, this is going to be hypocritical because Talkit is there, but only in a, like a minimal space. Once you go in the analyst booth and come back, I don't know. I don't know what you bring back to the game. I don't think Tortorella is going to come back with the same sort of verve that he had before. And, and I'm just not interested in him. I, hey, well, I mean, Zach, I find him just really annoying. Zach, wait, wait, you got to go. He would, he would be loved in Philadelphia right now. Yeah, yeah. He would be loved compared to Mike Yo, but I I don't think he would be loved in the long term because uh, long term it doesn't matter. Nobody nobody's a long term coach anymore, anyways. But exactly. when I say long term, I mean look, give me four years and I, I, Tortorella. I, I I don't know what he brings to this team. I and I say this because I'm 100 percent team talking. I want I want talking bad. Why do you um, talk so bad? If, if we can't, if we can't, like, I, I would love to just throw a bag over Brendan Moore's head and then he wakes up and he's in Philly and he's the coach. But we can't do that. Well, so, what has hey, so, Tockett done that, that, that you want Tockett so bad? All the success Tockett, he had like, in let's, Arizona? Let's look at his success record in Arizona compared to what they're doing now. And then let's compare Tockett's career to Brendan Moore's. They're very, very, or, you know, as someone Bob Strom brought up as a very successful GM. Bill Garens, I lump them all in the same sort of player. Hard nose, not superstars. I think superstars um, have trouble managing teams. Talkit would understand the frustrations of both a Zach McEwen and the top line center, uh, whoever it is next year. He can he gets both. He's been both hey, types of players. You here's a guy. I was back in Philly in November for a big big Flyers alumni reunion, and I spent three nights. Three nights, late nights with this guy, and that was Mike Keenan. 
Well, that would be crazy, Dad. Come on. Now, you want to talk about a guy that could get under your skin. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I like baby. We can't bring back Mike Keenan. <laughs> why, why not? But why, why not bring like back Iron Mike? It would be like re-electing Reagan. <laughs> we just can't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it I, was, I, I'd love it. I mean, it'd be great to see that. It was awesome because he didn't let me go to bed before one thirty. I know he was—he's a party. So animal. he still has plenty of energy. All right. So let's, let's just bring him back. No, he's—is one thirty late for you, O? One thirty yeah, late? Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just starting to work at one thirty for crazy. Yeah. No, that's late. That's late. <laughs> yeah. I mean, except it, when you were would, would hey, Except when you were with your all the guys. From every, there was every generation there, and that just doesn't happen too often in many franchises. Uh, every generation was was there, and having beers and having this, and and unfortunately, I wish the current players could have been there to see what that yeah. generation and what it took to build that culture. That would have been the best thing for those players to see. Do you really think they would have absorbed it? That's it would have been awesome. Thing. And they uh, needed you know, to see I, it. I, uh, I was lucky one, enough one time when I was here in Vegas running the team, I spoke at a dinner with uh, Al Davis, believe it or not. And I, I, I spent some time. I mean, you want a, you want a character. And he said uh, to me, he said, you don't uh, win and then become a close team. You become a close team. And then you win. And he said the Raiders had more players at functions in the National Football League at that time than any team in the league. And and uh, some of the stuff, I mean, what an honor. I had my mouth open for about 10 minutes talking to him. That was, he gave me, I couldn't believe he gave me 10 minutes. I was a nobody. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, but the, he, he's exactly right. Like, it, it, and again, this word we beat. And, and again, sure, I'm not interrupting, but this is why you bring back talk it. Talk it can can bring back talk it is different than I, I understand that we're we're as Flyers fans hesitant when we're talking about bringing back Hextel was a goddamn disaster and I'm hounding that dude to come on my other show my dad used to play hockey based on you dad uh, and and it, it didn't work out Holmgren's been hit and miss Clarkie was hit and miss Baruby was a hit but Hextel ruined that I don't but think Holmgren was a miss uh, Holmgren's been you know he's he's he oversaw a difficult era of the Flyers. He is deservedly as much of a front office uh, Flyers Hall of Famer as he, uh, more than he is a player, to be honest. But talk it could talk it, Dad, and hopefully you agree with this. Talk it could have played it on the bullies. Pardon me. Talk it could have played it on the bullies. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I haven't said and, that to many players. I was with Talk it in November. We had a beer or two together and we chatted. Um, just him and I, actually, it was great. And uh, I've only given that compliment to him You're and loud. one other player that, uh, that I felt could have played on our team with that kind of desire, and that was Ian LaPerriere. Yeah, Lappy, yeah. Yeah, Dave, Dave Poulin. Other than that, I don't, I, I can't think of anybody else that would have wanted to do whatever it took to win. Yeah, and I, I'm yeah. including, I'm including the Lindros era, the Leclerc era, era I'm, I'm including all of that era. 
There are very few people. And I think I, I don't know how much of an ego, because for me, Rick Tockett, being that they got so close, they could they could have been like the, the Broad Street Bullies have been looking to be replaced by another era of the Flyers for a long time. Like, Dad, you, you've expressed this to me several times. You're tired of being the ones that everyone's focused on. God, we need another franchise that or another championship team with this franchise. Talk yes. wanted to be a member of that franchise. So I feel like he's unfinished business here, which is only going to bring him more drive. And I think that the Flyers players would have immediate respect for him because of his accomplishments on the ice. And yeah, again, I'm, being that he I'm was not... a star, not superstar, he understands the concerns of all the players around him. I'm not saying Tortorella should be the guy. I just brought his name up because he coached Cam Atchison. I have no problems with talk. I, I, you know, I spent I spent time with him through a medium uh, people that I know, and he's around and and uh, talks a straight up guy. They more than anything, I think what O's saying, you're saying, Zach, everybody's saying is they need a straight up guy. They need a no, no, just a no like, BS, what? no BS, straight up. This is the way it is. My way or the highway guy. And but Trevor, you just you just said mercenaries don't work. Tortorella is just the straight up mercenary. But that's fine. He goes where the paycheck is. I, I was talking about players. All coaches go where the pay. How many? Co- yeah, but, coaches- like, but but Taka would go where the paycheck is and also have this emotional connection to the team. Fine, I, I'm okay with Taka. I, I I I just like I said, I brought up Tortorella because Cam Atkinson had played for him. He'd played in a no BS system for four years. And if you don't play to win and you don't do it his way, you're on the highway. So there's other guys like that. I mean, I, I mean, Oh, and I come from an era where that's the way it was. I mean, see you later. You know, you know, you know, you know, who's going to be good in two, three years, maybe less than that Detroit. Oh yeah. Because of Steve Eiserman. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Well, who do you think? Yeah. Who built Tampa? Eiserman, obviously, yeah. It's he built the culture there. Yeah, I had, a, I had a scout tell me the other day that that uh, you know they talked about Anaheim, L.A., Ottawa, um, the 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 Rangers, the best talent pool in the NHL. This guy said the best talent pool in the NHL is Detroit. Well, well, well said. Oh. They're, they're going to be contenders only because of Steve Eiserman. you got to torture him to get him to smile. <laughs> yeah, he's always angry, isn't he? Yeah. Well, no, he's intense. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, that's those kind of synonyms. He built. Sorry to take up time, but guys, I'm going to head out. All right, Dad. It was, it was a blast. Strummer, great to see you. Great to see you, bud. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Zach, oh, I know I'll be talking to you. How do I... How do I leave? Other than just getting up and leaving. Well, just just awkwardly amble away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mr. Kinderchuk, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. It Well, you're you're welcome. And you don't need to call me Mr. Kinderchuk. That was my father. So you just call me O. All right. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, man. Okay. And and, and you guys hang on. I know there's three dots here. Do I hit that? And it takes me out. It's just just pick up your tablet and throw it in the, to the hallway, <laughs> and you'll be signed off. Listen, I can take Look, you. There off. we go. I figured it out. That was that was <laughs> Oh, and I go back like, oh my god, 
Yeah, you you, uh, you knew him before uh, you uh, he knew my mom. Yeah, I, yeah I, so. him and I go back 50, 55. We're Saskatoon boys. Saskatoon boys stick together. Come hell or high water. Yeah. Strummer, this is this is how it went down today between me and Zach when we were texting. I texted you to confirm that you were good to go. Yeah. And then Zach texts me and goes, Hey man, do you mind if I jump on the show? I'm like, Yeah, no problem, man. You're always welcome anytime. And then like we're talking in the group chat on Twitter, and then he texts me, he goes, Hey, my dad's gonna come on the show too. I'm like, cool, sounds good, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was sorry. great. Because Strummer, when's the last time you talked to my dad? It's been a while, right? Oh. Look at this! Look at the Canadian mug I'm drinking. Uh, sleepy time tea out of too. Oh yeah, hey. yeah. Oh, we're all connected. I got a Phillies T-shirt. Strummer's got a Phillies hat. Canadian yeah. T-shirt for Strummer. Canadian mug for you. Bryce yeah. Harper. Hey guys. Minor, minor baseball in in Vegas. I mean, my, my dad has shut off his camera. I'm just gonna. Babe Ruth baseball in Bryce Harper. Yeah, right. You know, this is podcast, but I mean, it's going to be a great year for the Phillies. Same team. Those yeah. guys. Can you imagine Brighton and and Harper being on the same Babe Ruth team? Did they ever get those guys out? Well, yeah, that's that is pretty remarkable. And then and then you throw in what's it, is it? Gregorello was that the guy that ended up in uh, with the Yankees on first base at the end of the year from Texas? Uh, and then, I don't know his name. Yeah, yeah, but that, yeah. There was a third major leaguer on that team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyway. So you know, I got I got to bear in there with Harps. You know, I'm I'm a Blue Jay guy through and through, but I I didn't think my Blue Jay hat would fit here today. So I got the the Philly. It's, time, it's just it's honestly it's time to get rid of the Blue Jays and fucking send them to America. It's just <laughs> stupid to have this one goddamn Canadian team. Enough. <laughs> That really Enough. hurts, Jack. That really hurts. Well, it's just dumb. I mean, because I, 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 they win. That I, I, they broke my heart. They hit Joe Carter hit the home run off Mitch Williams, and it's just like why you just have that one stupid franchise now? Like if you if you had three or four, because I honestly, Sharmer, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know how much the Canada Canada in deserves nhl franchises anymore i really don't it's like it's just, they're all better than the flyers i know that they're better but like it's, what are they bringing 29 the franchises are better than the flyers it's, yeah, it's not hard better. to find a team I'm better not, than I'm, the flyers I'm not saying in terms of performance but for the good of the league i'd rather have a team in mexico city than i would winnipeg now you're being silly i'm not being silly i'm just in terms of like imagine like we talked about this earlier i i predicted calgary and florida are going to be that's going to be the Stanley Cup finals. How are you going to broaden the game when you have a fan base that won't show up um until the Stanley Cup finals? And then you even another fan base that will show show up in Calgary. They've been showing up all year and showing up for the entirety of that franchise, but nobody knows where that franchise is. Like I feel like it it, it I know it's a North American game. But if we truly want to cash in, it's just be an American game. You know what? You're lucky we let the American franchises into the league. Yeah, well, you're you're lucky that we, you're lucky that we support the we subsidize the Canadian ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, the dollar, the dollar. You know what? You mean the loony? Those American dollars in, in, are worth about thirty percent more in Canada. I like that. I that's going down every day. Yeah, yeah, of well, course. It'll go. I'm, 
I mean, what goes I, down I, I, must come a, up. What goes up must come down. It'll it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, anyway, guys, we we, we passed the fifty five minute mark, so uh, we'll go around the horn here real quick. Stromer, yep. the floor yep. is yours. Anything you want to talk about, promote, hype up, any story, personal anecdote. Uh, we've had people recommend TV shows they streamed, but the floor is yours for the next few minutes, man. Go ahead. Best comedy I've ever seen, Wedding Crashers. <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> I could watch Wedding Crashers. I've seen it 20 times. I will see it another 20 times. So, Honestly, you other than that, it's not something that I've done in my years. lifetime. Wedding crashers, but but uh, no, I I, uh, I I thoroughly enjoy this experience with you guys. I I thank you so much for getting me involved in these things. Uh, you know, there's things I want to say that I don't say, but hopefully I get to that point where I do say them. So thanks yeah, for uh, another great show, another great night. Hey, wow. Strummer, you're welcome on my show anytime, man. We'll set it up. I'll have you on whenever you want to come on, dude. I, I always appreciate having cool guests, and you're a great guy to hang out with. Super. Yeah. All right, Zach, you're up, man. Uh, go ahead. The floor is yours. Whatever you want to hype up, talk about, I promote. Know. Like after just pushing the wedding crashers, that was the most unexpected <laughs> thing I ever heard. That was amazing. Uh, <laughs> I did not expect that. Uh, you can't that touch was, that. You can't touch that. It's it's a good comedy, but man, uh, I don't even think it's Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson's best work together. Uh, that's hysterical. Uh, I don't know. Uh, my, my, the new episode long awaited, uh, yeah, long awaited, uh, Mike Knubel is out. Uh, I'm a big fan of Mike, Mike Knubel because I love later in life, uh, uh, successes like Tina Fey, grandma Moses, Ernest Hemingway. Mike Knubel had 221 goals after the age of 30. And, uh, that's, that's great. And he was fantastic to, to talk to. So my other podcast, my dad used to play hockey. Uh, season two, episode episode two is out. And I'd also like, so Russ Farwell is underperforming compared to other shows that I put out. And I get that because his name isn't that recognizable, but his, the story is arguably like the fifth most famous flyer story behind, you know, the, the two cup wins. Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just going to slide in three and four. I don't know there, but the Lindros trade, was like that's one of the biggest story, uh, flyer stories of all time, and Russ Farwell orchestrated that and had to deal with that with the handshake deal, and then having to deal with the Rangers coming in on that day, the very same day. And Russ Farwell's story, even though he oversaw a very very dark period of the Flyers, he was a, a his it was his only GM job in the NHL, and so, it was so Colorado not a won two Stanley Cups with that trade. And Philly is still. Yeah, well, we all know that. <laughs> Russ Farwell knows that. But on that day, Strummer, you would have made that deal, and you're lying if you say you wouldn't. Like well, that, that Eric Lindros, Russ Farwell, and they wouldn't be waiting for another Stanley Cup. That's all. I yeah, can. but Eric Lindros was the get of the century. Like he was before Lemieux, before Gretzky. There was Gretzky, Lemieux, Lindros. Like you would have given the planet for him. And we didn't know what Forrest was going to be. We traded a lot of, not has-beens, but people who were on. Chris Simon ended up being the difficult Would part of Would you have traded world. Eric Lindris for Peter Forsberg? Even up. Yeah, well, now we know that. I, would, I, would, I, I wouldn't have done that. But Lindros seemed like such a surefire, surefire thing. 
I would have given I would have given anything. I would have given that's the the spectrum for him at that time. A little overrated. Well, now we say that, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> coming in his his first rookie card, his it, 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 before he was in a Flyers jersey or an NHL jersey, it said future superstar. Like he, this guy was going to transform the league. And when he was healthy for the first five years of the Flyers, he lived up to it. He just couldn't stay healthy, and his parents were lunatics. Yeah, yeah. Funny you know, the one thing I can say about Lindris is this: I was in Columbus. And they were playing the Flyers, and he got on the same elevator as me. And I always wondered about Lindris, to be honest with you. I looked at his face. It was like a railroad changing station. This guy had more scars than I could ever have imagined. I got off the elevator. I said to myself, that son of a bitch does pay the ultimate price. Yeah, he got, but he got, uh, that's, uh, uh, that's, I never viewed him like that, Zach. I never really, really big guy. Yeah, yeah. I could not believe this guy's, the scars this guy had on his face. Wow. That's playing in the NHL, man. Well, and that's just when we are the target of everybody's, you know, the biggest hit, you want to have that, that hit against Lindros. Yeah. yeah, And Scott Stevens obviously transformed his career. Yeah. So, yeah, but before that, you know, Lindros was spectacular. And Eric Lindros is a former guest of my dad used to play hockey, if you'd like to hear his version of the story. So yeah. uh, I try to also. catch up on all the high and wide podcasts, but doing my own stuff and then writing and everything like that, I'm always like behind. People are dropping episodes and I'm listening to them like two weeks later. But usually when I get like a Sunday off, I sit outside, I, I play the podcast on a loop. I was listening to yours just last week, I think. Yeah, uh, only listen to mine. I mean, why are you going to listen to Jim's show? <laughs> He's just this bald-headed man in front of American flag housing a libertarian shit. Yeah, he, looks like, he looks like he's ready to run for office. He really does. Yeah, he's just some weird third-party candidate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, uh, for HW at Night, the last episode we had, we had Paul Dvorsky on, uh, Devo. We talked about his nicknames, um, NHL officiating. Uh, pretty cool dude. He did it while he was driving back from the game. So I, I really appreciate the fact that he took the time to do like a 40-minute show with me while he's driving home. So um, really good dude, Paul Dvorsky. Um, but hi and wide fam. Thanks for hanging out with us. For Zach Kinderchuk, for Bob Strom, uh, I'm Real Delco Dave. Everybody have a good night.